Welcome back to another episode of the Night Audit. I'm really excited for you to listen to this one. This is part two, by the way. So if you didn't listen to part one, make sure you go to the description. Listen to part one. This is an amazing conversation. We dove deep. It's with a really close friend of mine, Parsa. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. But if you're a listener of the Night Audit, you already know that the mission here is to spark our ascension beyond this material world of illusion. Through self-awareness, real conversation, and intimate human connection, something that's very much lacking in this modern world. Elevating mind, body, and soul as one. Enjoy. You know what, I treat Twitter as a bit of like a journal. Like whatever thoughts I have, I just tweet. And I, but the thing is, it's a bit of a challenge, right? Because I have to articulate it. Mm-hmm. So it's a good way of me turning my thoughts into things that are, well, into things. Right? How much do you vet what you put out now compared to before? Like, I feel like if I ever wanted to put out content now, I'd be so like, I would overthink every little thing I was saying and mm-hmm. be careful about what I was saying and oh maybe this part doesn't reflect on me well like, oh. like even like your like videos like I, do you just take them one take take it post it or like do yeah, you think about it? really you just it <laughs> I've never scripted a video really yeah sure. and it's, it's there's pros and cons to that obviously scripting a video you have there's a higher possibility of it going viral or doing well for the algorithm but I value being genuine over that whether or not that's a smart thing to do I don't know because I guess it depends what your goals are I really like the thing is I don't see my social media as a way to to get anything i just want it to be a window into my life and in order to do that it needs to be as genuine as possible Mm. so literally in the moments like when i'm traveling or when i have a thought or idea i actually just pick up the phone take it one take post it and it's almost like out of that creation then i try to find the pieces in it that are of value which are the parts that i'll highlight but yeah it's Mm. I, i find it so hard to create when i'm when i'm forced to create you know, that's why, like, for these podcasts, I usually like to have, like, an hour conversation before so that we can get into the flow of things. And then I just hit record. It's almost like nothing changed and we keep going, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because otherwise, if we try to force a podcast, it's like, well, fuck, what are we talking about? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, has, well, that, has that been a challenge with the podcast before? Like, do you ever just sit down and don't have anything to talk about? Or? Uh, one time, yeah. Sometimes I'm not in the right frame of mind and I can't formulate uh, my thoughts properly, which happens actually quite often. Mm. It's a skill in itself, you know? It is. I mean, the camera is like a huge thing. Like, yeah. like getting used to talking to the front of the camera probably took a while. It did. It did. Yeah. Like I look back at my old videos. Even you know when I first started was when we kind of did that workout in the park. I remember like how much more self conscious I was of filming myself and. Oh yeah, I'd be super self conscious now even if I did it. Like, yeah, even in front of people that I trusted, like I was still self conscious. Mm-hmm. I remember I was living with Yasha at that time, and I couldn't film in the house because I just. Even though fuck me and Yasha are known forever, right? I should be the most comfortable around him. Even then, I wasn't, you know, hmm. because the self doubt that I had, and it took a long time to overcome. But once you overcome it, it's uh, so much power. So much power. So much power. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're you're willingly putting yourself out there for people to judge. I mean, it's so much easier to avoid all that attention altogether but here's the thing like people can judge but if they're judging okay okay it's a bit of a double-edged sword if i put my genuine self out there the judgment and criticism i can actually use to level myself up Mm. whereas if i was playing a character or being someone or being you know not not who i truly was then the judgment and criticism would be sort of there would be no way to leverage it Mm. it would just be judgment and criticism but I don't see it as that when I do get criticism because it's like, okay, this isn't that I can actually apply to my life if I feel like it's... it's do you get a lot of criticism? No, I don't. Really? Yeah, I don't. Do you think if you talked about more controversial things then you'd get more criticism? Or? De- definitely, definitely. But I wonder if it'd be criticism or just be like conversation. I feel like, it, I don't know. I feel like it'd be both. Mm. The thing with social media is that 
it's so hit or miss, right? Like, there's just, you have access to the whole world. Yeah. You don't know who your ideas are going to reach. Very true. Did it take a while to see value in what you were putting out, or did you always, from the beginning, feel like everyone's going to want to watch this? Oh, um, um, fuck, that's a good question, actually. I always see value in what I was putting out. Yeah, because I always did it for myself. Like, hmm. I did it as a means to, as a, I used it as a tool to learn more about myself and my thoughts and my ideas. So I didn't, it didn't matter too much if other people also thought the same because they didn't exist, hmm. right? They don't exist. It must have made a difference to you, though, when, when you saw people were watching. It did. It definitely did. It did. Uh, it also made me take it more serious and that, okay, I can actually impact people. Now I do need to be careful about what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I do need to make sure that what I put out is what I would deem to be valuable. Mm. Interesting. So, that definitely has changed before it was a lot more chaotic it still is chaotic because i'm naturally a chaotic person i feel mm. like so i feel like chaotic is important yeah especially in terms in terms of balance obviously yeah because lack thereof a lack of chaos is, is is not good but i think a life only of chaos is dangerous yeah right 100%. it's the same thing yin and yin yang you're talking about yeah you need the balance you need both sides exactly yeah 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 um you ever worried that side takes over too hard or um, it has in the past, but I've obviously been able to overcome it. Mm. Um, like, sorry, I didn't interrupt. One of, one of the things I remember you saying is that like the time when my life feels, I can't remember your exact words. I'm going to paraphrase, but your, when you said that the time I feel most productive or the time I feel most in tune is when I have a morning routine oh. and I have that plan and I, yeah. I go in place like that's, that's order versus chaos. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So yeah. that like, is there ever times when you when you when chaos takes over, and do you feel the result of that? Yeah. Like a good example of that would be Dubai, where I had no control over my circumstances. I couldn't maintain a morning or even night routine or any routine at all. I was kind of at the mercy of my environment, mm-hmm. and being able to find different ways to ground myself was a challenge I would not have expected to face. So I'll give an example. I was so set on the idea that the only way I could find order in my life was through a morning routine. And if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have order. So I associated order and balance with a morning routine and like being able to eat the right types of foods and like obviously and and all that, Mm. which I wasn't able to do. Um, So then I had to sort of hit that low. Like I I was majorly, I don't want to say depressed, but like very much in a rut in Dubai, like for the three, from like, like, October to beginning of December, I was just at an extremely low point in my life. I wasn't creating content because of my situation with the coach and the club. And that was my creative outlet without having a creative outlet. I was mentally feeling fatigued, having terrible environment, not being able to maintain a routine. It was just like compounding. Again, it was a bunch of different factors compounding upon each other to then create a very difficult mental state to, to break out of. Um, and it took a few people around me, good conversations with Daniel and Sohail and people who were there for me um, to help me find reasons with, with which I could use to sort of climb out of this state. But what I was getting at um, is that I had to remove the idea that a morning routine equaled order because mm-hmm. a morning routine was impossible. I had to find different parts of my life and different opportunities to create that same order. So I forget your original question, but I feel like it was what I, what the, well, how, how did you find that order? Right. So it was, it was through different means. It was, um, you know, I started writing a lot more and that was something that 
uh, you know, was in my control that, that didn't rely on what other people were doing. And, um, yeah, I forget, I forget other examples, but, uh, oh yeah, I start, um, I forget what else I did with, um, well, yeah, I had to find other ways. I had to sort of break free of the, the ceiling, the self-imposed ceiling that I created. Mm. It's interesting that you say it's self-imposed. I mean, one of the things that Peterson talks about is that he's a clinical psychologist by, um, by profession, but he, he said that the first thing that he, he tells clients when they come to him telling them they're suffering of anxiety is that he tells them to start waking up at the same time. It doesn't necessarily matter what time you're going to sleep, but waking up at the same time and sort of aligning your body every day with the sun coming up doesn't really necessarily matter even what time, but waking up at the same time every day, most of their anxiety went away. Mm. Like right off the bat, that was like a clean fix to like 80% of the people suffering of anxiety. Wow. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, obviously that's a great example for order. And I don't think that's just because that's your perception of it. I think that like, I think something that has to do with your, your biology is like that, that morning, that first hour when you wake up is so, so important on the yeah. impact of the rest of your, your day. So I, I feel like the, not only the quality of your sleep, but, but the repetition in your sleep and that, that having that routine every morning or mm-hmm. every night, I think that's, that's so much more than just like your, your self-imposed mm. idea. So yeah. No, it's interesting. It's that's probably why you, you struggled so much without it, at least like yeah. that's my perception of it. But. No, a hundred percent. And, and there's also, you know, I was thinking while you're, while you're talking, there are these mental, uh, uh, components of life, but the biological and physical components of life are equally important and in a way can dictate how easily the mental is able to be navigated. Mm-hmm. So for example, when you wake up right away, if you, first of all, if you wake up with the sun, uh, it helps keep your circadian rhythm in, in, in balance and in check and, and functioning and that, in, that, uh, I don't know the, the, the full mechanics, but I do know that your, I do know that your hormones are impacted when you see the sun first thing in the morning or right away as it's rising because mm-hmm. it does like for example you, say you have a better sleep and you have a good morning routine and there's actually a biological reason for that you know melatonin is produced better at night when your body has seen the sun in the morning mm-hmm. and um, so there are these elements t- that are sort of aside from the mental order of having like a structured morning routine that also impact your yeah, health absolutely. in the day and that's why I believe that the mental spiritual and the physical are so important because you can't if you were to just be a philosopher and a, a stoic and, and fully just focus on the mental side of things and try to perfect or try to optimize your life mentally you're actually missing out on so much optimization when it comes to the the physical and and as well the, the spiritual you know because all of them need to be constantly fine-tuned and and evolved and, and leveled up in order for you to you know, continue to live a life that is, that feels at least well balanced mm. as much as, you know, as much balance as you can actually have, you know, in the yeah, so true. I talk about it, but like ultimately you can never really have balance in the perfect sense that we seem mm-hmm. to define it as. But do you, like, so you talk about morning routines, I'm guessing that you, yeah, you know, I mean, w- one of the things I want to talk about is like, I, I think there was this period when, um, when my, my semester had just started where I had entered this routine and it was probably the most productive, best feeling week of my life that I had ever felt. I mean, it, it's easy to take one week. I mean, I don't know how much value there is to getting out of this, but I was, my routine went something like I would wake up at seven and 
I would wake up, eat breakfast, and then work out, and then go to all my classes, and come back home, do some more work, and then go to bed by 11. And that routine felt amazing, and I was like optimizing it so much. I was working out. I wasn't missing any day, and I was... You know, like my, my sleep was great. I felt energized in the morning, waking up at seven, like not as a morning person, you know, if, if there is such a thing, but like for that week straight, like I was on top of my classes and it was crazy. And I think at one point, like that weekend or something, I had gone out with my friends and I like had a couple of drinks or something. And then the next day it was like Saturday or Sunday and I'd slept in like an hour or two. And then like, just like that, it was all gone. And I was like, I really, really felt like impacted by that and definitely fell into a little bit of a rut after that. I was like, I don't know if you've ever had to fix your sleep schedule, but like I've had to do that so many times this semester, but it's, it's, it's such a grueling, grueling process. And like, I was just going through that and setting that back up again. And then, you know, new problems are arising. And then it felt almost impossible to get back to that, that place that I was. One of the things I found is that I would maintain the routine for like five or six days. And then one of the days I would be particularly exhausted by the time I got home, maybe I had something too heavy to eat and I'd fall asleep, something that I wanted to be maybe just an hour long nap, but I fell asleep for four or five hours, maybe at five or 6 PM. And then everything screwed up. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like the maintaining that is impossible. I mean, I had never been a coffee drinker, but I started looking into it more and I was like, maybe I need caffeine. Mm. Maybe I need some sort of stimulant stimulant to get me into the evening because I'm not getting enough work hours done if I'm going to bed this late or if mm. I'm calling it off that early. Like I need to be up for those extra hours. How am I going to do it? And I don't know. I haven't been able to get back to that state. I mean, that, that state where everything was just is that your ideal routine right now? It like, is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, one of the things when, when Peter came to visit me in Ottawa, he talked about his, um, his Vyvanse prescription and it was like a, he had, he had just started taking it and it essentially like dials you in sort of like Adderall and it's like a, people take it as like a study drug and it energizes you and helps you focus. And he left me one of the pills just to try them. And I took it one day, probably at around nine in the morning, eight in the morning, you're supposed to take it. He, he told me he takes it before 11 AM or else he can't sleep at night. And I took it at probably like eight or 9 AM off like four or five hours of sleep. So not very much sleep. And I took it and it was the single most productive day of my life. Like it was absolutely insane. I was energized. I did probably three to four days work in one day. And I was energized throughout the day, even to the point where at three, 4 AM, remember the night before I had only a couple hours of sleep and I was still laying in bed like, oh, like what am I going to do tomorrow? Like, yeah. Crazy. And the only thought in my head was if I took this every day after a year, I'd be the most powerful person on the planet. Yeah. Like crazy because like, like three days of work in one day, like that, that's crazy yeah. to like, to, oh, it's not even like I'm not doing a lot of work on those other days. I'm maxing out my capacity, but I was so focused and the level mm. of the quality of work was so high. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, obviously with that high comes that same low and your baseline changes and you know, yeah. Well, here's what I think right away when, when I hear this, like, first of all, incredible that a drug can do this and make you that productive. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I, I will always be of the belief that whatever you can achieve through these instant means with modern technology is achievable through more long-term disciplined routes. 
So like it, it's in a way psychedelics to meditation. Meditation takes a long time to experience the same effects of psychedelics, but people who practice meditation for a long time claim to have the same experience as psychedelics, if not even more, you know, even if not uh, even more. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you talk about being the most productive and and sort of be, because of a, a pill, I wonder if it's not just a means to satisfy the instant gratification to sort of let yourself go in other areas of life and be have it made up from a pill like mm. that's where i see the flaw in modern in western medicine versus more like holistic like alternative medicine um because i feel like one puts a band-aid over an issue without diving into the root cause of the problem and the other treats it from the root cause mm. and in fact not only treats it from the root cause but implements uh, habits into your life to prevent it from happening again and like that's that's truly that's true holistic healing um, but the thing is it's not very monetizable you can't monetize good habits right if people mm-hmm. were taking care of themselves and not actually getting sick then the pharmaceutical industry wouldn't have any customers right and think about how much money the pharmaceutical company makes so when you so that, that's going off into a tangent but what, I, what I'm going back to is look at your life where are you putting these band-aids over your life and how can you holistically sort of improve upon them and mm. create habits that will stick with you for the rest of your life so you can feel because bro i have felt what you just described like i've had moments where i've woken or days where i've woken up and i've like early i've had extremely productive days and you know i feel amazing i get everything done um but without taking that pill and i know is from have like eating correctly, going to sleep correctly, and and thinking well and being around the right type of people for a longer period of time until I hit that point where I do feel like that. You know, it, it takes a lot of suffering, it takes a lot of discipline, but it's a lot more fulfilling than taking a pill hmm. because who knows what side effects that pill has? Who knows what long term damage that pill could have on your even addictive side effects right because you could be the most powerful person in the world but if you're fragile mentally and, and in terms of your health or you you know or mentally then then what is all that power or that wealth right it's mm. meaningless you know a very like a billionaire who's sick would i, I guarantee you would trade his wealth for a youthful body you know in an instant because the wealth is meaningless without health absolutely and i forget wow no so true tangent so they already people that tune to the podcast already know I fucking rant for like hours but that's all the podcast is it's just me ranting about random shit but um no that's so so insightful I mean what I want to know is like that's like the one thing I feel like I haven't quite cracked or I I at least don't have a intrinsic strategy to how to solve and I, I feel like on these days without caffeine when I really do need those extra hours but I can't afford to sacrifice sleep I mean what do you do to maintain that energy into the later part of the day uh, great question i mean this is where having an understanding of of what it takes to be a human being from a holistic perspective becomes really important but you can't it's impossible to digest all the information as one individual this is where it's really important again to have people around you that can sort of guide you and give you um like information in these areas that you may not be investing all your, all your time in like you know, if let's say you're like a philosopher, you know, you might not, you might be extremely good at articulating your thoughts and thinking about these deep questions, but you might not be super good at, uh, or you might not know so much about food and, and nutrition. Mm. That's where 
you have people in your life who can sort of fill these these gaps in a way for sure um and so like like if you really want to be energized like human beings are inherently should feel full of energy right we're like there's there's only a modern symptom feeling low energy when you wake up feeling depressed And, and it's because of these modern um uh how would i describe it like like staying inside all day working in front of a computer eating artificial food being around or interacting with human beings artificially through phones right like all of these things compound and sort of uh create these moments of feeling unproductive or low energy which then leads you to then take that pill because it's it's so much more difficult to fix the habits that have been riddled throughout your life like semi-unconsciously um so my point being if you feel like you need guidance in one area of life find that person or seek out the that that uh, individual who can you can help provide that guidance in, in an area of life that isn't necessarily something that you're inherently passionate about or even knowledgeable on mm. you know why the people around you are so important um, very true yeah like what do you what do you what, what is your solution to that problem personally ha- habits food and you know what you put into your body is extremely important um uh the content that you consume, like what you consume as a, as a, as a engine, right? Like you're a, you're an engine of, for, for whatever you decide to do in your life, but you're an engine that requires fuel and what you consume, whether it be the music you listen to, the content you watch, the people you're around, the food that you eat, the water that you drink, like everything compounds. I mean, you talked about earlier, you understand the concept of compounding over time, like everything adds up everything matters mm. um yeah and that's where i have that passion of going to those rabbit holes of like those like niche like health things where it's like drink this water or this water or, you know eat this honey versus this honey because i understand the power in the nuance you know mm. i understand that tweaking the little detail can make all the big di- like the biggest difference when it's when you like the smallest like the butterfly de- effect yeah, yeah exactly the smallest detail here can have a massive impact over here but you don't recognize it when you when you when you initially change it mm. um have you ever struggled with that like yeah, in terms of energy 100 percent, rob that's why i'm so passionate about it because i've experienced that like i know what it's like to feel like shit i know what it's like to have no energy and then i start to look at myself like what am i eating what did i eat today what did i eat yesterday what did, how, what time did I go to bed yesterday? Was on my phone before I went to bed? Did I go exercise? Did I start asking these questions uh, about these fundamentals that I know are important for an energized and healthy life? So, mm. you know, and ultimately it's, it takes suffering. Like it takes suffering to 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 overcome those habits. Mm. You know? yeah. It's difficult. Otherwise, everyone would feel good. Everyone. Otherwise, everyone would dismiss these instant gratification the sources of instant gratification or these pills that are easy, easy, quick fixes. You know, we're all about hacks and quick fixes, but I think the long way is the, is the most fulfilling way ultimately. Absolutely. I mean, it's going back to that idea of religion. I think one of the main guidelines it pushes is there is no triumph without sacrifice. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. Just like light doesn't exist without dark. Yeah, exactly. They, if anything, they are the same. Right. Oh, because one implies the other. Yin and yang. One, you can't have one without the other, right? Oh, fascinating. Yeah. So essentially, they are the same. Hmm. 
I don't know. I don't know if I can make that gap. Yeah. It's the label that that differentiates them. It's our perception of them. Right, but a label is what differentiates anything, right? Like if if the world can only if you could only exist if the world exists, then you and the world are not the same, are you? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know who Alan Watts is? Yeah. Can I? I'll play like this idea. Obviously, isn't my own idea. I've heard, I've heard a speech or two, but I want to. I want to play something because he explains it better than I ever could. Um, Are you gonna play the song Overthinker? Over what? No. Do you know that song? No, no, it's a good song. <laughs> That's it's an Alan Watts. Um, they sample it. Yeah. Oh. Very cool. No, but uh, no, he puts it so well. I think he titles it "How to Not Be Afraid of Anything Again" or something like that because. Um, it's so it's. Uh, let me just fucking find it and just stop talking. Um, you listen to any podcasts? Not regularly, yeah. to be honest. Do you have any good ones? Actually, that's not true. I I watch some of them, but kind of like bullshit entertaining ones like mm. the knock boys and stuff mm. like that like, I mean it's not always small. bullshit they have good conversations you think that. so? yeah they do hmm. um, definitely have to filter out the, the garbage yeah yeah, yeah. But, yeah I'll watch some podcasts what the fuck oh yeah here it is <clears throat> trying to get a world where that side of things is rendered impotent. Nothingness must no longer constitute a threat to somethingness. I think this is it. In other words, we want to play black and white. And if we'll call white the light and the positive, white must win. That's the game we're trying to play. Not realizing that there cannot be winning without losing. If white must win, black must lose. But if black loses, we can congratulate black for having helped white to win. Took it out Because unless black loses, white won't win. You can translate this into the difficult and thorny question of race relations. How would you know you were free, white, and 21? How could you be proud of being a white man? Hmm. This is a black man. You wouldn't know you were living on the right side of the tracks. Unless there were people living on the left side of the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Philosophy jokes. <laughs> you know, it's an IQ thing. It says uh, up is to down as blank is to left, or left is to blank. You're supposed to fill in. You know, I would put taken. 
But you see how like the the contrast. Uh, we feel like they're so different, but in reality, they're they are necessary for each other. Each other, yeah. Mm. And a lot of life is created on these sort of symbiotic relationships where one is necessary. Like you can't have bees without flowers. Everywhere you go, with, everywhere there's flowers, you know there must be bees or a similar organism that provide that serves the same task as bees That's or the same role. And um, I don't know. I don't. I forget again why we're talking about this or why about this up. But I find that concept when I applied in different parts of my life to be very helpful and very beneficial. Like when? Well, sort of like when I'm afraid or when I'm you know because if I have the understanding that fear and whatever the opposite of fear is or being comfortable or I don't actually, what is the opposite of fear? Well, I don't know. I was going to ask you. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but whatever the opposite feeling of fear Confident. is. Confident. Confident. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Confidence. Um, I understand that when I do reactionarily feel fear, I can have the foresight to understand that while I'm feeling fear, confidence is around the corner because they are, essentially the same emotion Mm. one requires the other i'm only fearful in contrast to the confidence i felt before i'm only confident in contrast to the fear i felt before so i know that if i continue on and i'm consistent with moving forward in my life that whatever feeling i'm feeling now i'll feel the contrast i'll feel the opposite um shortly you know and that's why i always have faith and that's where faith comes in so in a way faith can be derived from a god or can be derived from fundamental concepts of this life, you know, and which in a way is God, right? Because God through religion provides these fundamental concepts of life with which people have faith in to then move their life forward, mm-hmm. right? That's why you have the Ten Commandments or, you know, these these, these fundamentals Absolutely. of life, right? But you can also create them for yourself through deep introspection and self-awareness. Wow. That's such a crazy way to think about it, yeah. The fear without confidence. But bro, you said this to me so many times today without even realizing it. Like, the story that you told me, or it's not a story, but the reality that you told me about how you felt, um, so, like, a certain type of way about your situation and how you came about to have what you had. And then through that came the, the clarity that you eventually used to move forward in your life and to, and to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. So, that wouldn't be evolution, it wouldn't be clarity if you didn't come from a place of fogginess and and that's you know, true, stagnation yeah, yeah I, did, I did not make that connection at all but yeah that's so both are required but the thing is you need to have that discipline to carry on the action mm. yeah because otherwise you could just otherwise you could just dwell in the in the stagnation okay so what is your when I said um, I mentioned this earlier we, we didn't take it on the tangent but how I came to that realization after like a, a mushroom trip and how you said that it, it wasn't necessarily a bad trip if it resulted mm. in this, like... Oh, kind of exactly what I just said there. Yeah. It's, like, what is good and bad? Like, can you define good and bad for me? Because if I try to think of a bad situation, I can always think of a good situation that follows it. Mm. So is it really bad? And was the good situation really good? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the, the way that I look at it from my a, a logical perspective is that putting myself, like, in the state where I'm where I have psilocybin, like when I'm under, like take mushrooms, I get into a state where I'm feel like an excess amount of anxiety and stress. And like, it's, it compounds like a, a state of like just agony basically Mm. to, to the point where it's like, my body tells me like, don't do shrooms, like Mm. stop doing shrooms. Like 
I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't for but me, but shrooms are a necessity. Like you don't have to do shrooms. No, of course not. But so it's it's not it's not a like this is a like it's just not this is not a necessity. No, I know. Yeah. I I just mean more like um. I just, I don't know. I just want to know your perspective on like if that's always going to be the case, or if there's ever a situation where. Like, some people believe that shrooms are what you make them or, like, are heavily dependent on your mentality going into them or your purpose of taking them going into them or your, your state of mind before sober, before you enter that expansion. I mean, are, are you of the same belief or do you have a different way of, of looking at it? I mean, just from my own experience, I've always been at a really, like, calm and peaceful place before entering into the altered state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um... So yeah, I would agree with it. I would agree with it, but I also feel like I was ready in the sense that I'd done enough self-exploration like and uh, self-reflection to almost equip my mind with the unknowns of heading into the altered state. Like I felt confident enough that my, in my ability to self-reflect and to be aware of my own consciousness that I wouldn't get lost in the realm that psychedelics would take me to. Mm. So... It's a very personal thing. Like I, that's why I said it's not a necessity. Because if it causes you this anxiety and distress, then it's not something you're gonna be able to fix in that realm. It's something to fix here. Yeah, absolutely. And until then, I would say don't do it. Yeah. Because no. you're just not ready to move. It's like you know, in a video game, it's like if you, it's impo- You can't level up unless you've completed all the quests mm. in the first level, right? And you have to first do that. And you, you're the only one that'll know when you're ready. Do you feel like mushrooms have ever taken you to like a dark or scary place or have you ever experienced that? Yeah, like the second time I did it, I think I may have mentioned I had like a full conversation with my ego and that was really intense. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a moment in that conversation where I sort of like snapped into reality and sort of realized what I was doing. And then in that moment, I realized I had control over what I was doing. But I continued to let the conversation go. I And it was like a really intense conversation. I forget exactly what it was. I wish I kind of recorded it. But, or maybe it was all in my mind too. Like who knows if I was speaking it aloud. Mm-hmm. But I had my eyes closed and I was sitting barefoot in the grass. And I remember it was at nighttime as well. And I just remember still being able to see everything. But I was, I was so focused on coming to an answer. I, kept, I remember I kept asking myself the question, why? Like why... I, honestly, I wish I had it recorded, but yeah, I kept asking the question, why, like, why do I do this? Why do I think like this? Why am I like this? And I kept, it was almost like I was interrogating my ego, almost blaming it for who I was. Mm-hmm. And it was like really intense. And I remember like feeling really shook after the trip ended. Um, but I also was aware that in the moment I was aware that I had control. It was like some trippy, like inception type for situation, sure. but I do credit that control or that awareness of being in, still being in control to having done like years of whether I was conscious of conscious of it or not practice of you know self-reflection and, and detachment or at least attempted detachment from my ego mm. so that's um, one of those things that like if you explain it to someone who's never done mushrooms it like doesn't compute at yeah. all but it's like a, yeah yeah it's, it's insane I can see it how it can insane. get really dark though oh yeah and how you can lose control I do see it and I can see why you'd never want to touch that shit again because fuck the scariest thing in this life is to lose control yeah absolutely has to be facts did you ever do something stronger like ayahuasca or Mm, 
I don't feel ready. I don't feel ready, but I think at some point maybe I will be. Really? Yeah. I don't feel ready. Have you done anything? You've done what weed and mushrooms. Yeah. Have you tried anything else? No. Really? Yeah. I don't want to try anything synthetic. But I know sense. I know there's other variations of natural drugs, which are more intense, but mm-hmm. yeah, again, I don't feel ready. <clears throat> like opioids are natural, technically. Right. But can you take them in a the natural form? I like mean, mushrooms, you eat the mushroom. Right. Weed, it's like, you can, I picked it off my plant, right? I mean, I, I don't necessarily know, but like yeah. poppies and like heroin, True. right? Like, I don't but know. But it has to go through some form of, form of processing. It's processed, yeah. yeah. I mean, so is weed in a way because it's dry. That's a form of processing. But hmm. I think you know what I'm saying. Like, it's it's as close to natural as possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can grow your own weed and like dry well, it and put it in your shit. Yeah. You grow it? Really? Uh, yeah, I grow it in my house, yeah. Really? But it's CBD because it's like the, it's, it's mostly the leaves. Oh, I see. Because to get THC, you have to go through like a more heavy, fil- like, I don't know what, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I won't ask you just because I don't know if you want this out there in the public, but what you've done. Oh, no, same. Yeah. I've never, never anything stronger than that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, no, I, I mean, <laughs> from my fundamental beliefs, I think that is a good thing to not try anything synthetic because I don't think we're synthetic. And okay. I think when you, as soon as you put a synthetic substance in your body, just like when you eat synthetic food, feel like shit or something not optimal is going to be the result of that mm. but who knows if that's just my belief and maybe it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy i don't know i just i just know that artificial or artificial things don't affect human beings well just across the board in general really yeah just in general like even even sitting in a room not being outside it's optimal to be outside we're connected to nature we're connected to the earth frequency where it's it's natural it's a natural state we're supposed wow. to be in you know like even sitting inside in a room in front of a computer like those are all natural like there's nothing natural about that situation even mm-hmm. sleeping indoors in a bed you know with like with lights not being in complete darkness that's an unnatural situation if you really think about it human beings are so disconnected from nature it's no wonder why we're so depressed and we're so there's more mental illness than ever there's more um, you know suicide and it, and it really just I feel like the answer is so simple and yet people go for the pills. People go for those things that put them down further down into a rabbit hole of dependency and crutches and yeah, and I think that I think the I think the answer's in front of us all along, but we're actively destroying it as well, which is which Did you ever write um a manifesto on your ideal of society? It seems like you've thought about it quite a bit. My ideal of version of society? Mm-hmm. I've thought about this, but then again, like the whole yin and yang thing, I could never enforce or even think of enforcing an ideal society. No, no, forget about enforcing. Right, but, but I what's the point like, of writing a manifesto unless I had, like... You well, know. like, you, you can theorize your idea for a society with the intent that if everyone perhaps thought the way that you did, not necessarily saying that's a good thing, but if everyone, let's say that everyone came to that realization yeah. collectively, the same one that you have, the same one that you're explaining to me and that I'm understanding, and... Believing that that was the optimal way to shift society to do that. Like, right. you, you obviously have an idea of what that looks like. I do, yeah. And behind closed doors, I'm quite radical about it, but like... That doesn't surprise me. But like, all. in conversation, I, I do my best to be as open. I just, I do have these fundamental beliefs that I, I... You know what? Being completely honest, yeah, I do think that the world would be a better place. But I can't actually think that if I have to be consistent with everything I've said earlier today. Right, like the whole, you know, negative brings positive. Hmm. There has to be different ideologies, different 
viewpoints, different ways of looking at life, different ways of going about life, for there to be any evolution or any growth. Mm. And I value growth and evolution. I mean, I think that there can be like layers to disagreement and different perspective and still having a society that shifts away from artificial <laughs> crutches the way that it's built today. I mean, I like everything you said, like, like if you believe that everything artificial is bad across the board, but I don't think it's bad. I, I wouldn't. Okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't use that word, but well, okay, it's important, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, say, say what you said about artificial. Like, I just want to help. Tell me, understand. I think it's, it's, um, hmm. Coming in from a perspective of optimization in terms of being a human being, there's nothing we can do about living in an artificial world. It's creating us where we live. But understanding and being self-aware that maybe these artificial environments that we place ourselves in aren't optimal for our biological inherent health as human beings is important to be aware of because then you can find a balance. Because then you can find ways to incorporate both to live to live in both because yeah so it's not it's not bad like art because there are benefits to this this world as well you know modern medicine has is amazing in in what it can do um you know like even just thinking of something as simple as like anesthesia anesthetics yeah or anesthesia anesthesia how do you say it um fuck the one that numbs the pain uh, right like you know in a true in a natural world you'd have to just if you had a broken leg you'd have to get that take the vein yeah. right right which I guess we could argue is good yeah anyways I forget what's going on artificial isn't inher- inherently bad uh-huh. but the balance is always important which requires self-awareness hmm. that's, the, that's the key interesting yeah okay so when you say you're radical you you do have a vision of what that society looks like yeah I do would you ever put that like into writing? Or? <laughs> um, like, I want to know if you ever write the Diego Manifesto. <laughs> Diego. Uh, probably not. It'll probably just be no, probably not. Really? Yeah. How how depth do you have you gone in that thought experiment? Um, well, I feel like I kind of like live it out every day, in a way. In a way, like that's yeah. that's the goal that I like. I kind of live every action by. Is it is it not dependent on the the people you see around you? Mm-hmm. So like how how can you live it every day if everyone else is living something else yeah it's fucking hard yeah you can't you can't but that's where again self-awareness and finding the balance like also removing yourself from these radical beliefs is important too like it's easy to be radical because it's comfortable in a way because you can kind of it's it's comfortable to be radical yeah because you can neglect other viewpoints because you're so consumed by your own right Mm. and because it truly takes a humble person to be able to consider all viewpoints even when they strongly believe about theirs. That's very true. Um, good question though about the artificial. What do you think about the whole thing? Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've thought about it in this. It's like, in terms of drugs and things, like, my mind always reverts back to the logical. I mean, mm-hmm. when you look at things like, like even like vaping or like something like cocaine, it's like, yeah, it's, it's synthetic. Like, no shit, it's going to damage you. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, so... I mean, I don't know. I, I was thinking more in terms of, like, the, the thought experiment. I mean, I just have, like, a vision of, like, people running around, like, basically, like, nudists, like, going right. through. Because if you really strip it down to its bare bones, and I, I don't know. I mean, there might be something beautiful in that society. It's, like, if everyone's truly focused on connecting with nature and believing that, like, in that same society and having that collective growth the same way that 
the bell rings in Dubai and everyone goes mm. to pray. It's like just having that collective respect for nature and having that collective understanding that synthetic things are damaging, not wholeheartedly, but at least that instant gratification is, is worth fighting, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows what might come of something like true, that. True, true. But I can guarantee you that we'll find just as many problems in that as we would in this situation. Really? Yeah. Because... Just different problems. Yes. Things that we could not foresee because we're not living that experience. We're living this experience. That's why I say, like... That's why I don't think there's a point in writing the manifesto. Because that reality, even if it could exist in some universe, doesn't. Right? This is the reality that exists. So... I don't know. I mean, you can look at history. When you mentioned with the why anxiety rates are up, depression mm-hmm. rates are up, suicide is up. I mean, this is all based on history, right? It is written in our history books. Things are obviously changing. And if we agree that they're not changing for the better in that department, let's say mental health or something, then we can actually quantify the, the differences. And I, like you said, we're, got, we're leaning towards instant gratification. We're leaning towards artificial life that's more efficient, that's more optimal. I mean, that's history. People have lived that. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's not the radical manifesto that you conjure up in your mind it's like there was something different about that society that there is now because we're seeing the result of it i mean Mm -hmm. if you want to look at the issues that we had then yes there were issues yeah yes modern medicine has done a lot of good yeah i don't know i mean you're right it's like that that radical idea it's like you don't know you don't know the extent of its consequences yeah you also don't know the mist potential from implementing it if it was possible an idea such as that that's true because in the problems that we experience and that we come across in this day and age who knows what beautiful things will come out of the re- resolutions in that you know mm. maybe it'll take people becoming extremely mentally ill and sick from living in such artificial environments for us to then make that change to then you know we're like oh shit okay we do have to implement these things into society as a collective to sort of like save ourselves mm. right because it seems like that's what the human race is it's just if you look at history it's just a repeated series of events of, of solving problems and saving ourselves to then encounter that the problems never end and we always need to be saved you know it's it's fascinating it, that's, that's how that's like when I look at history that's what I see and I don't think that should ever stop because that seems to be like I said the graph is always going like this at least from one perspective and but if you zoom in it's like no, there's mm. ups and downs along the way. Along the way. Very true. Yeah, very true. Do you believe in karma? I am more starting mm-hmm. to now, especially when I start to see it in my day to day life. Yeah. But it, how well, do you? What do you? When you think of karma, like what? What comes to mind? Because it's a very. It's become a very. Um, like trendy topic in a way you know karma yeah yeah they've taken an eastern like idea a very sacred idea and then like modernized it <laughs> yeah like and monetize it in social media these like gurus or whatever but <laughs> it just it just i find it interesting as well as a bit of a side tangent how the west takes like you know ancient ideas and sort of bastardizes them you know like yeah just fucking destroys <laughs> <laughs> by no fault of our own it's just a product of 
this culture. Yeah, absolutely. It has been cultivated. It compresses it into such an easy form of consumption. Yeah, that's what it is. It does. You know, because now there's like apps for meditation. There's hacks for meditation. You can go on Reddit and look up, you know, you know, whereas before everything was very much a practice of, of experience, you know, you had had a concept and you lived it out and Mm. found the nuances in in your own life that worked best for you. Whereas now it's like, what's the most efficient way I can meditate? You know, you have a template laid out for you and you yeah, don't actually get to ex- speed, speed fast. Yeah. You yeah. don't get to experience the, the practice for yourself. You know, it's, I don't know, it's kind of sad in a way because you're limiting, you're limiting your potential for experience in life. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, sorry, we're talking about karma. Like karma, yeah. I mean, karma is an interesting thing because I'm starting to think more that when I'm living in, in your terms, holistically, in terms of uh, up to my potential that I know I have, I find that the I find that the universe is very giving, and that I don't know if you've heard this before, but to that who has to one who has everything, all will be given. To that who has nothing, all will be taken away. Basically, saying to someone who has, I'll say it again slower. To that who has. To someone who has everything, all will be given. To that that has nothing, everything will be taken away. What do you mean by that? I, yeah, it's like it's, it's almost like saying like. It's almost like saying. That, the rich get richer and the poor stay poor, or that, once you have everything and you're compounding that effect, I don't even know if it has to do with compounding, but like, if you're living. In my experience, if you're living to your truest self and up to your potential and you're staying disciplined, you have that extended period where you're continuing to live in a way that you feel confident and you're waking up every day feeling good about yourself, then the universe just keeps giving and giving and feeding you and giving you more. And it's like all this like positive feedback. You're doing good. You're doing good. It's like intrinsically, you know, but it's like the same way that a depressive person gets it's very dangerous for them it's a a very dangerous place to be as a depressive person because every small thing can topple your entire existence it's like it's it's not necessarily that the things that happen to the depressive person are any different that happen to the successful person or let's say let's say uh, the the person at the top but it's like that person is much well much more well equipped to deal with that type of experience or that type of um challenge let's say so it's like regardless of how you experience it it's like when i'm not living holistically when i'm overindulging when i'm cheating myself and i know i'm letting myself down it's like everything piles on top of it stronger like heavier and heavier and everything hits way harder and it feels like more things pile across and more negative things and more negative things and it's endless and my, my perception of karma is kind of in that it's like i don't get away with things I can't, Everything. I can't, I can't ever oh. cheat the system. Oh, you can't, shit. you can't really get away with it because it's like, oh, shit. it's almost like it's always being tracked. It's like, it's always being ticked on the list. It's like, if you, if you're doing this one good thing that you know, you're supposed to be doing, it'll be remembered and it'll be compounded in the future. It's like, it, you never really get to like hide or cheat the system. Like it always remembers. And that's how I see karma. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. I realize I actually kind of, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do. That's how I see it as well. Way of putting it, um, hmm. oh, such an interesting conversation. Karma, 
Because, like, how can you, again, like, how can you quantify it other than just based on your own experience? Mm. How could you explain karma to someone who hasn't experienced the fundamentals of what you just said? Yeah, I mean, the Western version is, you know, you do something shitty, something shitty will happen to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, Einstein kind of said it. You know, there's no action without reaction. Hmm. That's um, Newton. Newton said it. Cut. That's what Newton, that's what yeah. Newton said. <laughs> there's no action. Bro, I'm so good at quoting these, like... So, um, his second law of thermodynamics. Yeah. No, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. It's like... Yeah, um... Can't believe I said Einstein. That's funny. It just goes to show, like, how little no 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 it doesn't I, go, to, go to show anything no it does it does because I don't actually like my ideas aren't actually coming from I don't know like I have never actually like really looked into these people enough to like remember these things I just know that quote and I know it came from someone who is into science so I just think Einstein you know? absolutely I mean yeah. I only know that from like 11th grade physics class and it's like just a random thing I remember but it's mm. it's not like I've, I've read his biography and I, I know his studies I just know that you know when a when a car starts turning left there's inertia and that's how you get mm. switched to the right and that's like a cool thing about life that i never really understood mm. that i understand now so you know what i mean and yeah it's like little things that have to do with like i don't know physics and stuff it's it's interesting the logic of the world well that's where math and physics is, is interesting not that i've studied it myself but hearing from other people is you know it seems to describe life and the laws of the universe in a tangible way at least, att- at least attempts to that's and then right. the further you go into it the more paradoxical it becomes the more theoretical it becomes and that's where you start yeah. to get into like the oh shit like this is where the answers are but the answer is almost as the answers can never actually be truly quantified absolutely right that's when it gets really interesting I mean like like theoretical physics theoretical mathematics I mean, that just becomes philosophy exactly yeah. yeah very cool stuff philosophy but instead of communicating with words you communicate with numbers hmm. at least that's careful that. the cable but I drop your laptop. What is your um take on karma? It's is, kind is, of similar. Like, there's no action without reaction. Hmm. Um. I think it's an inherent law of the universe. I think it's just like a fundamental of life. I don't know why. Don't hmm. know. Why. I can't explain or give any reason why you should think that. Yeah. I just believe that to be true. Hundred percent.